Ronananian. The value in going to that extended oil train interval, I still don't see it. I see it as making more work and unnecessary risk. The Car Doctor. When you open the left door, the courtesy lights don't come on, but they come on fine from the dash switch or from the right-hand door when it opens. There's really nothing here. This is a two-wire switch. They go back to a main splice. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Welcome aboard. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions about your automobile, whatever it is you've got going on under the hood or fender to fender and door to door, as we like to say here on the Car Doctor. More information about this radio show, of course, we're out online at cardoctorshow.com, as well as podcasting for those of you that do podcast us. And we thank you for that at TuneIn, iHeart, iTunes, all the usual good, great places. And uh, just remember to click subscribe as you go forth and do that and uh, help us count our numbers up. And we always appreciate that. We really do. We're going to talk about a lot today here on The Car Doctor besides taking your phone calls. I want to talk a little bit either this hour or next. There's two hours of Car Doctor in today, like always, but we're starting the first hour for those of you just tuning in. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, well, you know, why you would possibly want to scan cars that has one had a windshield wiper problem. And one had an air conditioning problem. And I want to make the point and make the case for why when you march into your mechanic the next time and you've got a problem like that, something non-check engine light related, you almost want to ask them, hey, make sure you scan it for codes because you'll be surprised what you're going to find. But we're going to talk about that a little bit later on this hour. We're also going to be talking, or next hour, we're also going to give away in the next two hours. And it's up to the judges in the studio today, Tom and Tony, T and T as I like to call them. Uh, we're going to be giving away a Wix diecast model, the um, 39 Ford Coupe diecast car from the folks over at Wix, Wix Filters. And we'll talk about that a little bit later this hour. But right yes. now. Okay. You want odds or evens? Oh, no. Oh, will, you, will you guys. Hey, I'm n- taking, now what's the I'm matter? Gonna, I'm going to have a date tonight. Now, we're trying to talk about what? you're going to. Is that what you're going to do? You're going to take the diecast car and use it to get a date? Yeah. Is that what you said? I'm an opportunist. Oh. oh. <laughs> Did it work the last time? Huh? Did it work the last time? No, this is the first time for everything. Well. Can I go back to the show now? Okay. Okay, thank you. So they're always, you know, it's like I have three children, but I'm the father of, of, of many, raising many. You know, it's just the way it works out here on The Car Doctor. Our next guest, our next conversation that we're going to have, I think is timely this time of year. Everybody is, you know, the cars are out of the garage. Everybody's looking around at what they're driving. They're thinking about, hey, is it time for the upgrade? Is it time to make the move and, and, and possibly buy something else? Or maybe it's time to find that first-time dream car, that 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 car that has evaded you since high school that you've no longer been able to find. And you want to get a first crack at it. Well, we've reached out to someone I consider to be one of the experts in the field in terms of finding what your heart's desire is. And that would be one Yvette Vanderbrink from Vanderbrink Auctions. And we're glad to have her here on The Car Doctor with us. Yvette, welcome aboard. Hey, welcome. Um, I was listening to you guys. You think a die-cast car is really going to get you a hot date? Uh, tell them. I don't think so. Yvette. 
Well, my wife it would help me get a good date, is, also. You know, it, it, it depends. You know, Tony. Tony is that uh, Barry White lookalike. So, and he's, oh, really? Yeah, he's got the moves. He's got the looks. He's. It, it's possible, but you know, we'll, we'll reserve the right to be seen someday. When I think the audience is old enough, I'll tell everybody the story about Tony, me, and the girl at Newark Airport. That's a whole nother on, on the day. I think you need the car as a, a real size car, not a die cast. Well, maybe I'll send him out to the next auction you got going on. You know, I that was, would work. I, it, it couldn't hurt. Um, you've got, no. You, you've got two big things going on. And I want to talk a little bit about not just the content, but, you know, well, I'll tell you my side of the story. You know, when I watch auctions on TV or I read about the auctions online, it's a little overwhelming. And, you know, I don't have that first knowledge of how would I get involved other than just picking up the phone. There's got to be a learning curve. Uh, you know, is it is, is is it hard to get, like, for a Vander Brink auction, is it hard to get into that and, and be right at the front of the line? Or, you know, is there a process? If someone wants to be involved in an auction like the one you've got coming up, uh, you've got one coming up in Warrensburg, Missouri. I yeah. was I was reading through the content list. Uh, isn't that a is honey hole? A twenty eight Chevrolet, a sixty nine Chevelle SS, a, a, a seventy Chevelle, a a, a, a fifty seven Chevy. I mean, this is like every high school kids in my generation's dream car garage. That's uh, right. Yeah, it really is. You know how do you how do you get involved in this? Well, I tell you what, as a first-time bidder or a person that's never been a bidder, you need to, first off, get your senses square and know what you want and realize that you are the expert. When you go to, the, when you go to a car auction or any auction in general, whether it's an estate auction, you need to be the expert because you need to be responsible for, for all your purchases. We're not Walmart and there are no returns. And... So you need to look at that card and judge whether it's authentic, you know, what's been done to it, you know, has it got Bondo all over the place in it, is it slapped together, is it really the little old lady car, is it somebody that had it as a bad rental and beat the crap out of it, you know? Right. And so the auctioneers and the sellers are going to give you the information that they have, but as a buyer, you always need to be educated as to what you're looking at, you know, and so for a person that maybe just, oh my God, has always wanted a 70 Chevelle and they don't know anything about them, they can get taken very easily by not doing their homework. So the first thing to do when you go to an auction is know what you're looking for, know what your price point is, maybe do a little research. I use the old cars price guide, very similar to the Kelly Blue Book. When we do our auctions, there are no reserve. That's the only way I think if you're going to sell your car, sell your car. It's not, if you want an appraisal, pay, pay an appraiser. Right. And um, so the, anything that's it, it, Explain well that a minute, Yvette. Wait a minute, Yvette. Get, it, explain yeah. that a minute for the listeners that don't understand what a reserve is. Ex okay. Explain the difference. Well, a lot of times when you watch auctions on TV or auctions, other auctions, a reserve is that a seller is putting something up for auction. And if it gets to a price that he likes, he'll sell it. So pretty much a, 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 a pretty much kind of a uh, wanted ad on parade is what I kind of look at it. And when we do our auctions, we like to do them no reserve because these are motivated sellers, and they're selling the cars. They're right. for sales. They are going to go home with a new owner. So when a 
for example, as me as a bidder, if I went to an auction with reserve, and you don't know what the reserves are, they're typically not public, they may put an estimate in there, but when you go to those auctions, you're not in control. As a no-reserve sale, where they're going to sell for whatever they sell, the the bidders are in control of the market, and you find out what the true market is. Um, it's also the only time at auction is where it might go crazy, and a seller might get more than what they want. Right. And uh, so bidders will go to a with-reserve auction with that hesitation, knowing that that guy might not even sell it, you know. But when you go to a no-reserve auction, you're either going to think you're going to get a deal or you won't. For example, last year we had a family in Missouri that had a 65 Shelby DT350 that they bought for the kid in high school, 1000 bucks, And it was all original. I called down to Shelby, got it registered. The family didn't know what they had. And I looked up book. I helped educate them. It had damage on the rear, damage below the spoiler, had the wrong air cleaner, the back seat. It was a racing model. Somebody put a back seat in it. They originally had the fiberglass hopper in the back. That had been burned by the dad. You know, so we had a car that was very valuable, but it wasn't 100% correct, and right. we noted that. And the book on that car was around 50000 and we sold it at auction for $121,000. Wow. And wow. that's the power of marketing in an auction. Wow. Um, and you'll see that on some, on TV, you know, you'll watch Barrett Jackson or Meekum and the ones that have programs on. And, and it is an auction just like regular, but you'll see with reserve and no reserve. And, um, again, you have bidders, buyers. But to register, usually it, if you're going to write a check, or you, you're going to have to bring proof of funds. We're not just going to take your word that you got the money in the bank, but you have to bring proof that you that, that check is valid. A lot of times you have to pay a registration fee to buy a number right. to be a bidder, and other times there's no charge for a number. Um, there's also an instance where you have to be prepared if they charge it for a buyer's premium. And what that is is if you buy something for $1,000, and the buyer's premium is 10%, you're going to pay $110 or adding 10% on top of your purchase. And a lot of times that is done for the auctioneer's benefit uh, to help overhead costs, to put on the programs, to do the, uh, the, the extra com creature comforts and production of the auction. Um, a lot of them that we do, we don't charge for a number, and we don't charge a buyer's premium for people that come on site. The one in Warrensburg is 0% buyer's premium, zero charge for a number. So if you buy that 70 Chevelle for 30 grand, that's what you pay for it. And, and no and, reserve. Uh, and that is odd in the car, uh, car auction arena to yeah. have a no buyer's premium. Yeah, very, very, very different. Hey, Yvette, stay put. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold you over if I can for sure. another. Uh, you know, this is just too, the information is just too good, kiddo. Um, so what, okay. sit tight. Let me, let me go, let me go do what I have to do with the clock, and uh, we'll return okay. to talk about this. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor with with Yvette Vanderbrink, Vanderbrink Auctions. We'll both return right after this. Stay tuned. Welcome back. We're on the Car Doctor. We're here talking with Yvette Vanderbrink, Vanderbrink Auctions. Yvette, 
as we uh, pulled over and took the pause. Our conversation was, you know, auction, getting into an auction 101, if you will. And it's it's really interesting because, as I said, I'm an armchair auctioneer or auction buyer. You know, you sit there and you'll watch them, but to actually take part in it. So if someone wants to get involved for conversation's sake with Warrensburg, Missouri, up and coming on, yeah. on June 3rd, um, what are the steps they're going to do? Oh, that's a sweet one. Uh, John and Helen Meyer have owned that, and they're going out of business because they're both um, not they're both not healthy. It's sad, the husband and wife at the same time. So we're actually liquidating the business, and that's a no-reserve auction. You're going to bring your get your proof of funds of it ready. You're going to have your cash. Bring the suitcase. We take that. That's great. Don't print it in your basement. That's a good, you know. Yeah, definitely and, um, a no-no, right. <laughs> the feds don't like that. Yeah. And um, bring the, all your credentials with you. You're going to come up to our auction trailer. You're going to give us a driver's license or your passport. You're going to get your number. There's no charge for a number. And you're ready to bid. And you're in. That's all there is. N- you're in. N- That's it. Now, you know, this... Is this you know this is different than what I see and watch on TV? Sure you know, is. It's it's so simple. Can I can I do this from home or do I have to be there to bid on a Vanderbrink? No, we the, all of our auctions we do online and live. They're simulcast, so you can be an online bidder or you can be a live bidder. And the online process is a little different. It walks you right through it, and it's a money wire only situation. Right. Um, you know, and after you buy your purchase, you have 10 days to get that removed, while as other places as a rented facility, you got to get that sucker out of there right now. And if it's left in the middle of the parking lot, nobody cares. And they do have transport on site, but it is always the buyer's responsibility for shipping, removal, costs, arrangements. Some guys bring their own trailers. Some guys bring enclosed trailers. Some guys drive them home. I, I have a 65 Chevelle Supersport. I didn't buy it at auction, but I drove it home and um, after I bought it. And, um, you know, so it's it's kind of up to you what you want to do. We start the auction at 930 in the morning. We're going to be selling some tools and stuff. So once you got your bid number, you're all ready to go. And so once we start selling, we open up the offering on the vehicles or whatever we're selling. And once we say sold to bidder number 253 or whatever it is, that is your responsibility. Once we say sold, ownership transfers at that moment, that contract is formed, and now you are the owner. And you can't come up to me and say, hey, Yvette, you know, I really don't want that car. And I'd be like, I don't really give a crap. It's your car. <laughs> you know, because it's sold, it's sold, and that is a contract form. And it's actually held up in courts. Now, and once you agree to your terms and of, of bills of sales and terms of commitment, you're the buyer, and I don't care if your cat clicked the keyboard online. Right. You are the buyer. Now, now and, um, Happy Days Dream Cars, yeah. what were they? They were, they were... He was a gentleman that sold his business. He used to do a waste management business, and he sold his businesses, and he always liked um, old cars. So he started Happy Days Dream Cars as a dealership to sell classic cars. And him and his wife have sold vehicles all over the world. He had a lot of muscle cars. He had a uh, did some restoration there. So they have hoist tools, uh, shop equipment, car haulers. I mean, everything that you would have to conduct a uh, classic car dealership. And uh, memorabilia, 
pictures on the walls. Hey, diecast cars for right. you. Yeah, well, and um, that, that might help. It might yeah. help. It might help Tony. Maybe I should set Tony down to bid. Yes, um, yeah, you can buy them online. I'll ship them. To they, you. There you go. But, um, so when you but, look at uh, well, just we, everything that would be involved with that. Now these cars are beautiful. Every one of them is absolutely perfect, so you'd be able to drive them all home. Now, and, when, um, when you look at Happy Days cool. cars. When you look at Happy Days cars versus the Hackenberger collection, yeah, ex- you know different ends of the spectrum, right? Hackenberg- different ends of the spectrum, yeah. H- Hackenberger's coming up Ohio in June, July fifteenth and sixteenth, and okay. that is amazing. Monday, I will be in the Island of Misfit Cars. <laughs> um, that's what I like to call it. It's not an insult. They're orphan. Low production, unusual vehicles at Hackenberger's auction. Ron Hackenberger is a truck driver. He owned a trucking company. And when he was trucking around the United States, he would buy vehicles. And this man, over the course of 40 years, has accumulated 750-plus vehicles. Wow. And he's had them in four different locations. And they aren't Fords and Chevys. It's Studebakers, Go-Go Mobiles, Amphicars, um, Renault, Saab, Divco Milk Trucks. Just all kinds of stuff. Right. I was reading Divco Milk Trucks, right? There are about 15 of them, yes. Who collects milk trucks? Um, You know. They street ride them. They make awesome street rides. And the other thing is a lot of commercial, a lot of businesses buy them and letter them up and use them for deliveries. That's crazy. That is absolutely it's, they're crazy. Yeah. The short ones are the more valuable ones. And Divco's have a, a waterfall grill, so they actually are similar to a, uh, like a 36 Chrysler Airflow. Right, right. Hey, Yvette, when we come back, I want yeah. to talk one more segment. All right, it's just too good. Sure. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the auction, the big, the old Chevy dealer up in, uh, where was it, Wisconsin? Um, oh, Lambrick yeah, in yeah. Nebraska. Let's yeah, talk, let's talk about that, and then I want to talk a little bit about, uh, if, you, if you'll share with us what's in the Vanderbrink collection, because I'm sure you've got some stories, um, uh, you know, maybe some of the most unusual things. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. The car doctor here, and I'm on the line with. I'm talking with Yvette Vanderbrink, Vanderbrink Auctions. Yvette, thanks for sticking around. I promise I'll let you hey, go no after problem. this. I'll let you go after this segment. I promise. It's just it's fascinating to us. We're sitting here, our jaws are oh, on the ground. Oh, we can talk all day. Yeah, I you know it's. I could probably help you with your questions. It's 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 just great <laughs> stuff. Well, you know, listen, maybe maybe we'll do that in a future show. We'll have a uh, we'll do a um, you know a a, a call into Ron and Yvette and talk about old cars and and things like that. Maybe we can make. I you did the, my brother's show once. We'll we'll yeah. You know, we could. Uh, you, that's right, and we have, we have to talk about that at some point. Um, and that's that's how our relationship came to be, right? Um, right. Uh, you know, and that's a whole other story unto itself. Right. Um, Lebrec, uh, you know, Lambrec, yeah. Lambrec, yeah. Re- re- refresh, refresh the memories of of the listeners. What that was like, the Chevy dealership up in the uh, Midwest. I, where, I forget where that was. Um, uh, Pierce, Nebraska. Yeah, um, that had to be like a step back in time. Well, I tell you, you know, I'd heard about it being in the Midwest myself, and I had a writer who recommended our company to the family because that's what we do really well with is barn finds, private collections, and, you know, marketing and advertising. And uh, it took about two years, and this gal called, and I went down there, 
And what it was was her dad owned a several, very small Chevrolet dealership, but he did volume selling in Nebraska. And he had 55 brand-new Chevrolets that he had never sold, and he held back all of his trade-ins. So altogether, between the 55 new ones and the other trade-ins, which he drove out to the farm and left them in the trees, we had approximately 400-plus vehicles that we sold. Wow. So, for example, I when I went down there, I went into this little dealership, and there was junk everywhere. I mean, everywhere. I mean, the, there were probably 250 antifreeze containers that were empty and siding. And, and what it was was there was a 58 Cameo that had one mile on it, never titled. Uh, there was a 64 Impala that had four miles window sticker in it, plastic on the seat yet. It had a 63 Impala that had 11 miles. And we had, and there were 10 to 12 brand new C10 series pickups that had been drove out to the farm and parked. And uh, we auctioned those. First we cleaned up the dealership and then rearranged it, put everything, the 12 back in there. We had to tear down 10 acres of trees and extract all the other vehicles. And it took us three months. We got ready for the sale. We promoted it nationally. But, I mean, this guy, the daughter, she goes, yeah, Dad never sold any trades. And I kind of hardly, you know, how can you believe that? You know, how do you make any money doing that? And it turned out and to be true. Handed me, <laughs> yep, and she handed me seven rubber-banded bundles of original titles. Wow. And I believed it. And, and these so I did cars... inventory. I actually had to go car to car, play with a lot of raccoon debris. And, I mean, they were rough shape from being in the trees all that long and uh, rust and different things, but not all of them, you know. And uh, I matched all those titles. It was like Go Fish with Title World. And um, it was amazing. We, we promoted it. Uh, the family was actually thinking of crushing half of it. And I said, no, let me go to town and work with this. This is amazing. And tell the story. And we did. And we wound up having, the Higher Patrol told me, approximately 25,000 people come to the first day of the auction in the middle of a soybean field in Nebraska. That, that's probably and one, more. And we, and we had uh, set 20-plus world records. That 58 Cameo went to the East Coast to a collector. With one mile, we sold it. Had the roof roof was pushed down, um, and we sold it for one hundred and forty two thousand five hundred dollars. You know, and it just was like that all day. That was crazy. But you know, you run into a lot of when you get that much press. You ran into also a lot of. Uh, I had a guy give me death threats because I put hubcaps on top of a car in one of my pictures. It was insane. That's probably more people than that part of Nebraska has seen in a long, long time. All the sales tax uh, went real high for the state that month. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet it did. So let me let me ask you this question: You you know, in the Vanderbrink auction, I've got four minutes left. In the Vanderbrink oh, okay. auction, um, you know, in your collection, what could you share with yeah. us? What's what's your favorite piece that you found among the 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 the, the, the auctions that you go to and set up? I mean, what well, have you I don't like to buy them at my auctions. Because I don't think an auctioneer should be selling off the block. I think it's kind of unethical. Right. Um, so I bought mine privately. Um, and uh, I don't like my seller to think I'm making money off of them. Right. So I don't like to buy it myself. I like that. Business but, is business. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I But get one it. of the things that I own, I have probably 20-plus vehicles. My dad is a collector. He had 57 Chevys. He had 60 of them when we did his sale. Um, but, you know, I've done – I go into a lot of private collections. I work with a lot of private people, and I see a lot of amazing things. You know, Hackenbergers, I mean, good God, July 15th and 16th, it's amazing. But in our collection, one of the things that I have that's really unique and it's rare is a 1957 Chrysler Windsor Airport limousine with six doors carries 16 passengers. Wow. <laughs> and my son – Oh, what, what mother am I? I bought it when my son was a junior in high school. Hello. What yeah. do you think he's doing? Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, that, so he's going to turn 21, and mom's going to be chauffeur in the limo. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. So what's it like to, you know, you're like the first kid down Christmas morning, yeah. you know, and you get to, you know, you get to look at all these, you know, what is that like? Do you, how do you contain oh, your... The first thing I do is just stand there and look around and think, you know, and then I think of how am I marketing this? Who am I getting this to? You know, how cool is this? The other thing is to look at the history, you know, that we are actually losing a lot of history nowadays with the Internet, losing conversation, losing family closeness. When I was a kid, I rode with my dad picking up cars. I heard the stories. I saw him making the deals, shaking the hands, and we were home on the farm. Mom was home. Dad was home. And we went to grandma's multiple times. Now you might go to grandma's twice a year, Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, yeah. three times. Yeah. And you don't get those stories. And people buy old cars for the memories. If you're not telling the memories and making memories, you're not buying old cars. And that's why we have seen drops in particular generational drops. Uh, people are dying and changes, the trends change. Uh, we've seen a 25% drop almost sometimes in some of the 50s cars. You'll see Model Ts, Model As, generational change. But, you know, you buy what you have memories for. So, like in my collection, we have a 69 GTO. We have a, six, a 70 Chevelle. My husband is working on a 67 Chevelle. I have a 65 Super Sport. You know, and that comes from an old boyfriend bad memory situation. And I love the car, hated him. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, and then uh, we have uh, internationals. My husband's an international. And one real unusual one we have is a 1939 D2 international pickup that we went to George, Iowa, and the old guy called into a radio show I was on, and he said, oh, I do international. And we went down to George, and this guy, you could hardly understand him, and we followed him to the shed on a, he was on a lawnmower, not a wheelchair. And he would mow in front of you while you were walking, so you had to watch out for rocks. Anyway, we bought the pickup, and it turned out to be a limited edition international dealership truck. Wow. And it's uh, wow. cream, red, and blue. It's very unusual. And uh, uh, other internationals that my husband has, plus old tractors and different things. But I grew up a Chevy girl. We have a 41 Ford. We have a Model A. We got a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, I tell you what, you've you you you've got you're living the dream, kiddo. I um, you know, I have a '53 Chevy that was a reject from Lambrick. I do have a Lambrick car. Wow. I you know what I. I, I've got to commend you because, in a way, you are helping people reconnect with history, and I, I think it's I'm much, trying to save history. Yeah, is what I'm trying to yeah, do. Yeah, it's because I look at old cars, and I don't just look at them as old cars. I look at, you know, the manufacturing processes and how we learned yep. from this and that. And that's, you know, what that's just that's that's our next conversation next time. Yvette, where can the listeners yeah. get more information? 
Well, I tell you what, you can give me a call anytime. I always answer my phone, 605-201-7005. Or go to my website, Vanderbrink Auctions with an S.com. There's complete catalogs, information, uh, also uh, some info on some books I've wrote. And, um, you know, that's I follow along on Old Cars Weekly. I do a blog on there, uh, write occasionally for other publications. And, uh so, uh, yeah, I'm just a crazy broad in the Midwest who likes cars. And I, I guess basically if they just go to Vanderbrink Auctions, they can get all your contact info and go from there. Yep, yep. everything's on there. Yep, you can see my Chevelle on there. Cool beans. Give us the phone number one more time, kiddo. 605-201-7005. And that's South Dakota. South Dakota. Well, listen. But uh, we go all over. We've sold in 17 states. I, I, I got to tell you, you set records here, never mind at the auction, because you are the first conversation we've had, top of the hour, that went three segments, and I could have gone for another. I could have gone the whole two hours today. Yvette, a pleasure. You betcha. An absolute pleasure. We'll talk again real soon. Thank you very much. Yep. Take good care. I'm Ron and Annie in the car, Doctor. We are back to kick the garage doors open and answer your calls right after this. Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Let's kick the garage doors open and go talk to Alan in Watertown, New York, 97 Buick Park Ave. Alan, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Hello. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. I have a 1997 Buick Park Avenue. Okay. And the uh, right-hand front and back turn signal lights uh, quit working this last week. And the uh, four-way flashers seem to work. The left-hand signals work. But uh, so it doesn't appear to be a bulb or a socket issue, but uh, just the front and back, right hand turn signals that uh, seem to have quit. Great problem. I I think the way I would approach this, and I I remember the early, you know, the 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 the, the late nineties, early two thousand GMs, the way they were wired. Um, it, it's going to come out of the directional switch. There's going to be a left and a right circuit feed for the directionals. And coming from the switch, they went to they went through the instrument panel, and then they went out to an underhood electrical center, and that electrical center fed the front, fed the back. All right, the fact that you know it it doesn't work on directional, and that was only the directional feed, if memory serves me correct, because that's what we've really got to do here, Alan. We've got to get a wiring diagram and look to see what's unique, what could we lose and only affect directional and nothing else for that right side, if you follow, right. if you follow what I'm saying. So, right. and, and sometimes when I diagnose something, I will, you know, I'll sit there and I'll take markers and I'll, I'll use red for my, you know, my active circuit, maybe blue for my, you know, my inactive circuit, and I'll start highlighting in blue or, or white out even. I know it's not this. I know it's not this. I know it's not this. And eventually, after I narrow down what it's not on a diagram on a piece of paper, I'll come to light and see what it is. But the way I would approach this is I would look at a diagram and pay particular attention to how GM brings it from the underhood fuse block, or not underhood fuse block, but the bust electrical center, the BEC, was the term they gave it back in the day. And from there, they split it and they send it to the right-hand front and the right-hand rear. What's the feed like out of that bust EC or the BEC, the bust electrical center? Is that does is it there? If memory serves me right, the right hand leg is tan, and and the left hand leg is a yellow feed. 
All right, but I'm going to tell you to get a wiring diagram. Do you have a source for a wiring diagram for that car? Yes, I do. Okay. If you run into a problem, send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com, and I'll, I'll, I'll dig something up and I can email it to you as well. All right? But basically, okay. you know, that's one of those that's one of those problems that if I know I've got power and ground at the sockets, now I'm going to break out a diagram and verify, okay, what's good, what's bad, and break it out like that. All right, sir? Okay. All right. Um, listen, I'll tell you what. Stay on the line. You're from Watertown, New York? Right. Tom, a call from Watertown, New York. We've got a, we've got a T-shirt coming your way, Alan. We're going to take care of our folks up there at WTAN. We want to welcome you guys into the car doctor. ATN. And uh, we want to welcome you guys into the car doctor family. So uh, stay tuned. Stay put. Tom's going to get your information, and uh, we'll get a car doctor T-shirt out to you. So uh, don't go anywhere, and thanks for the call. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, coming back right after this. Running in the car, doctor at 855 Let's go over to Al in Maryland. Al, 99 Nissan Century. How can I help you, sir? Hi, Ron. Yes, Enjoy sir. your show. Thank you, sir. And um, need you to put your collar on because I got to make a confession. Uh oh. Yes, um, yes my son. Change the oil on my Nissan Sentra like I've done a zillion times before, and like an idiot, left the uh, filler cap off. Ow. Yep. Well, at uh, least, it, at least it'll never rust out. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, drove about fifty miles until I started smelling something funny, and uh, sure enough, there's a spray of beautiful uh, pencil oil, full synthetic. Uh, all over everything in the engine compartment. Uh, well, uh, I, no. you know, and I got just the thing. First of all, it's a shame we got to wash all that Pennzoil synthetic away. I know, oh, and, it broke and my heart. That's you know, so so say seven hell hell Marys and our fathers, and uh, that's right. You know, get down to the next O'Reilly and get another batch of Pennzoil. Right. Twenty lashes on the back porch with a wet noodle. Right, exactly. But uh, you know, I've got just the thing that will help you with this is Berryman engine degreaser. Yeah, I heard okay. You. And, you know, I just went through this on a Ford Expedition in the shop. The nice thing about the Berryman product is it's biodegradable. So, you know, you can spray it on. You know, make sure you do it on a cool engine. Follow the directions on the can. Make sure you spray it on. Rinse it off, follow those directions, and it will it will wash off, and it's environmental safe. Uh, you know, it's it's not like the stuff in the old days where we had to worry about it going yeah. down the drain. For those of us that worried, and I was a worrier, yeah, um, yeah. you know, but that will do it for you, and that will what clean it up. What about harnesses and, you know, the tops of it? Is it okay on any of that stuff, or is it just good for, for metal parts? I mean, it's, you know, it's all over the place. You know, that's a, that's a fair question, Al. I don't know the answer to that one. In, in my example, it was a valve cover and exhaust yeah. manifold, yeah. and I was, yeah, gingerly, I, yeah, I was yeah. gingerly around the wiring harnesses. All right. right. Um, I, I'm one of those guys that even if they tell me it's okay, I'm going to be cautious. So just, you know, just use it gingerly and sparingly, just mainly around the metal parts. And, you know, I would wipe in the areas of the harness just to be safe. And at that point, I think you'll be fine. But get out to a local O'Reilly Auto Parts. They'll have it. Berryman's engine degreaser. You'll do just fine. Wow. That wraps up this hour. Thanks to Yvette again from Vanderbrink Auctions. A great time. I'm Ron Anani and the Car Doctor. Till the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.